Because of the coronavirus epidemic and to respect social distancing guidelines, this episode of Civil Politics was recorded remotely over Zoom. Good evening and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow, and I'm doing the show tonight with uh, my esteemed colleague, Sue Timberlake. <laughs> esteemed? Sure. <laughs> Is that like what you do to vegetables? Uh, yes, actually, yes. <laughs> when, when we Democrats say, oh, we esteem our Republican colleagues, what we really mean is we want to cook you alive with boiling hot water. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> right. <laughs> because, you know, it's the civil thing to do. <laughs> anyway, um, John o. Roberts, uh, our uh, uh, not esteemed producer, is uh, uh, taking a personal day today. So we're going to soldier on without him. Uh, any technical mistakes you uh, come across are my fault, since I'm in theory, anyways, uh, doing what he normally does. So. In fact, just just assume everything's my fault, anyways. That's probably a good move for this show. <laughs> I usually I usually do. It must be Mike. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So, um, uh, I don't know about you, but I uh, would really like to talk about the uh, infrastructure bill that uh, the president has just sort of floated to Congress. Not that anybody's voted on it yet, and it's still. Uh, being digested, but uh, oh, uh, sorry. Before I before we get into that, I just want to mention: please do contact us with thoughts, opinions, uh, knock knock jokes, uh, whatever. You know, we're always interested in hearing from the people on the other end of the of the speakers, and uh, you can do that by email: civilpoliticsradio at valleyfreeradio.org. Uh, at Civil Politics FM on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Civil Politics Radio is how you find us there. Uh, we also do have our own website, which is simply civilpoliticsradio.com. That's got recordings of previous episodes of the show and even some supplemental episodes we've done. So, you know, all kinds of good stuff. So, yeah. So, uh, Sue, uh, as a Republican, of course, you hate the idea of spending money on anything for any reason <laughs> that doesn't involve blowing people up. So uh, tell me what's wrong with this. <laughs> April Fool, right? Yeah. right? We're recording this on April 1st. We are um, actually, so yes. So this is airing <laughs> on uh, on my parents' wedding anniversary. So uh, sorry they aren't with me anymore, but happy anniversary, Mom and Dad. Um, airing on the side of caution. Yes. <laughs> uh, I like other, to think um, in, in some way or shape or form, they're still listening in and uh, gently face palming and going, oh, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> there, he, there, there There's that guy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yep. <laughs> oh, all my mom's stories about me as a kid involved me doing something embarrassing. <laughs> I don't know if that's true for every mom, but it is true for mine. <laughs> oh, there you go. Sort of with a bemused look on her face. Yeah, that's that's I, my guy. <laughs> I think she had to laugh because, you know, otherwise she'd cry or, you know, do things that the criminal court system tend to frown on. So anyway. <laughs> yes. Even when it's your own children. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, 
Well, tonight, I guess we're going to talk about the once in a generation investment, right? Is that the... I was thinking, I mean, uh, (laughs) you know, you're an equal partner in this. So if there's other stuff you're interested in, by all means, put it on the table. No, No, I just meant that's what they're calling it. That's what everybody's calling it. The uh, What do you think uh, of that as someone who's uh, been around for more than a generation? uh, You know, you've, you've, you've been... Uh, paying attention to politics since you were a kid. And uh, I guess the last president to put forward a big, bold plan for spending a ton of money on infrastructure and especially roads and bridges and tunnels. Yeah. Was, was a guy you like Uh, our great leader in the, in the war in Europe in world war two. So I was very young, but yes, I liked, I liked Ike. Um, I was probably seven. (laughs) Yeah. But I, you know, I, I was already a Republican, having huh. grown up that way. Um, I, you know, I, I think it, I think it has a lot of potential. And uh, I guess it's always the details, right, that get you in the, in the sort of the, and and I think it's still a proposal, right? Is it legislation or it's just about to be legislation? Well, part, I don't believe is, the president is able to introduce bills into Congress on his own initiative. He can make proposals, but they have to actually be yeah. introduced by a member of the House. And since this is a spending bill, it, it has to start in the House. It can't start in the Senate. It has to start. That's one of the few things that the Senate House gets to do that the Senate doesn't. So, uh, so we had- yeah. So we had 1.9 in the Corona relief bill. This mm-hmm. is about 2.3. two trillion. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and this is the infrastructure proposal. And then there's going to be another one, if I understand this correctly. That's uh, um, more the domestic programs that'll follow. Part uh, two. Yeah, there's. Which they uh, haven't priced yet. I think I think, I think some of it has to do the the part two has to do with dealing with things like immigration reform, but uh, yeah. Yeah, sort of more domestic stuff. So, so big a big ticket. I mean, that's that's a lot of money. My granddaughter's never going to be able to pay this off. So, and I guess the theory is that you're going to grow out of it, right? It's sort of like us Republicans always say, if you reduce taxes enough, we'll grow out of it. And Democrats say, if you spend enough, you'll grow out of it. Right? Um, I mean, is that fair to? They oversimplify both our positions. I, yeah, I mean, um, you know, you make jobs and all that, and the economy's going to grow at 6% from this. And, right. you know, I, if you spend I, I would, a lot of money. I would argue that the way uh, people like me anyways, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a flaming lefty by some standards, but I, you know, I'm, I'm. In a different world, I would be an Eisenhower Republican, you know, in the same way that I was an Obama Democrat, you know, because I, I do yeah. th- see a lot of overlap between those two presidents. But um, regardless, I, I would say it's more a matter of if you invest money, you will uh, pay off the debt because of the fruits of your investment uh, allowing you to do so. Uh, mm-hmm. A big problem with how the U.S. government has been operating for decades is that we borrow money and then it goes into stuff like F-35 stealth bombers uh, or or joint task fighters or whatever they're called exactly. But, you know, boondoggles like the F-35 or uh, the, uh, uh, you know, strategic defense initiative and stuff like that. Um and not enough uh, investment in things like let's provide everybody with internet. Let's um, 
install. Let, let's uh, upgrade our uh, uh, high-speed rail uh, infrastructure in this country uh, in ways that would be useful. Uh, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I investment. Okay, right. got it. Exactly, exactly. And um, I, I was especially dismayed that this wasn't something that the Obama administration didn't pursue more forcefully ten years ago, though. I understand. Oh yeah, why. he said he was going to, and they never, they never, they never even brought it up. Well, the yeah, uh, the the, the uh, savage uh, backlash against uh, the death panel bill. I'm sorry, uh, the Affordable Care Act. <laughs> you know, you're stealing my lines, <laughs> right? But I'm that a was <laughs> well, you know, and that was just <laughs> such an utterly, utterly shamelessly dishonest and unscrupulous way to, to talk about the Affordable Care Act. But the, um, you know, that really sucked all, well, it sucked all, yes, exactly. <laughs> and it sucked all the air out of the room and uh, the Democrats lost control of Congress uh, in 2010. So that's, that's a big well, part it, of the reason why we didn't do that then. And it's a real shame because with the uh, fallout from the global financial crisis of 2008, uh, you know, Money was, you know, basically the U.S. money could borrow, uh, could finance its 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 national debt at zero interest because yes. people were just like yeah. giving money to the U.S. government is safe. We'll get it back. We won't lose yeah. money. And so that was the time to, you know, invest two trillion dollars in infrastructure spending. And I'm very yep. sad that we're, we're doing it now. It's, you know, interest rates are still low, so it's it's not. You know, it's not like we're we're borrowing a ten percent per annum or whatever. But um, As my party says, never waste a crisis. Actually, that may have been um, Rahm Emanuel that said that. I thought it was <laughs> never um, waste a good crisis. Wasn't it his chief of staff? I uh, I thought it was um, you know the guy who was George W. Bush's chief of staff or whatever. Uh, you know the um, the guy called Turd Blossom. What's his name? Uh, Carl Rove. <laughs> no. Oh, Carl Rove. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it is a good strategy. A lot of things happen when there's a crisis. Certainly Roosevelt knew how to how yeah. to do that. I mean, he inherited a mess and he very quickly reassured people and moved on, which was uh, you know, it didn't it didn't necessarily go that way. I think you're right. I think Obama missed an opportunity and I don't know why. And I well, just mean that I, he didn't push I think I just talked about why. <laughs> of, yeah, Obamacare. Yeah, just well, it, you know, it's one thing to say somebody got punched in the face. It's another to say they get punched in the face, they got back up and they, you know, fought back. And well, he, he just didn't seem to have those skills. From he my didn't have he didn't have uh, the clout in Congress after the 2010 midterms. That's that's right, what it after was. 2010. That's true. But before 2010, he he, right. he could have done a lot of things. Well, he did he do a lot of things. They, they, all right. Levers he, of power. Could could he have done more? Probably, but uh, you know he pushed through massive uh, uh, restructuring and reform and improvement of the healthcare infrastructure yep. of the United States. So that's that's not nothing, and you know. And you he, know, I always give Nancy Pelosi credit for that because he I, he he. Uh, I agree. He caved. Well, she, I mean, she's she the speaker the of the House, so of course, you know, anybody she, who yes, yeah. She figured out the reconciliation strategy because they lost when they lost Scott Brown's vote. Yeah. They didn't have the votes. Yeah, yeah. He, he got elected over um, when Kennedy died. 
Uh, Martha Coakley, I think, wasn't it? That was the second time he ran. Oh, no, the second time he ran, he lost to Elizabeth Warren. Right. Kennedy. That's right. Kennedy died. And that was the race. Yep. There's a special election. Yeah. 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 Sorry, I'm losing track of you Democrats. What can I say? Uh, well, we are thick on the ground here in Massachusetts, and uh, <laughs> there are plenty and of us who are... look alike. So you know, ah, Elizabeth Warren, Martha well, Coakley. Sure, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, uh, the feminists will be writing in very shortly here. <laughs> there are plenty of of lackluster campaigners in the Democratic uh, Party here in Massachusetts as well. So, well, I think with one party so dominant, it's it's easy for people to get complacent. So that's true. That's true. And that's, that's certainly a problem. And that, well, we've talked about that some more and I'd love to talk about that more on, on another show. Um, especially with regard to some but of the, tonight is this, but well, let's, let's yeah. focus on one thing. I, I understand it's, it's, it's difficult and novel for us to do that, but let's try. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this is a, this is a huge bill. This is a, lots of changes, lots of changes. And, you know, I haven't read it, as thoroughly as I should have, and I will. Right. Well, um, and it's but, it's know, not yet a, a full lot of the bill. Headlines, yeah. 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 Fleshed out, but really, sort of the headlines. Um. Well, what is there? I didn't, let's 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 start with what do you see about it that you particularly like or particularly dislike? Like, what are the the top notes you go? Oh yeah, or oh man, really? You know, just just curious. Uh, you know, a hundred eleven billion for water. Um, water pipe replacement. I think that's awesome. Yeah. And overdue and just the kind of thing that governments should do. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know that that's enough money. I doubt it is because Flint alone, you know, their, their lead pipes inside their houses and in the sidewalks and just, you know, it's sort of frightening. Boston's got the same exact problem. And it's just they they maintain their acid uh, balance better so that it doesn't strip it out of the out of the pipes. But yeah, there's a lot of lead pipes in Boston too. Well, so I can't imagine replacing everything for 111 billion. But well, they know. may not. It may be that they don't. They aren't planning to replace everything, and and so long as the systems are properly managed, they don't need to. So they don't bleed. Yeah. Well. <clears throat> so yeah, I think I, I think do that's think, a good one. And oh, God, sorry. Please continue. I was just going to say a nice surprise. So, well, one of the things that I I particularly noticed. I, all right, so there are a few things I like about this. Uh, uh, very simply, I like the focus on uh, it's not just building roads and bridges and tunnels. I mean, there is that, but there's also stuff about public transport. Uh, uh, expanding care for uh, the elderly and the disabled, uh, which, you know, uh, I can tell oh, I you know that was in there. Yeah. yeah. That's like, I think $300 billion earmarked for that. I think I've, I don't have the, the exact uh, thing in front of me because I uh, closed that browser window, but um, yeah. So it's, it's, I can tell you, as I've remarked on this show from time to time over the past few years, you know, uh, my mom was, you know, living with Parkinson's and was had, you know, mobility issues. And we had home health aides to help mom, you know, live at home and have a, you know, good quality of life. Um, that cost north of $250,000 a year. 
And uh, unless one takes out specific long-term healthcare insurance plans to like handle that kind of custodial care, uh, you know, uh, you have to pay for it out of pocket uh, until you're completely broke. Once you're indigent, then Medicaid will help you out. But otherwise, uh, it's it's just something you have to pay for. There's no uh, yeah. Medicare doesn't cover it because it's not it's not rehabilitative therapy. If it's, it's just not medical, yeah. Well, it is medical, yeah. but it's 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 medical in the sense of like you just always need this. It's not that this is a treatment to help you get better or to save your life. This is just this is just you know the custodial housekeeping, the quotidian activities, uh, you know, uh, that just go on and you need help with, and we need to pay somebody to be there. And, you know, uh, yeah, it's, and and people should be careful of long-term care because a lot of it escalates just when you need it. And you know, that a lot of the companies weren't very, they aren't actuarially sound. And so it's very expensive and it, it often sort of evaporates just when you need it. So well, if, you, a, if you are looking at a policy, be really careful. Good point. And also, um, also yeah. worth noting, even if you, one does have such a policy, uh, as for instance, my father did, um, which was uh, of, of real help and benefit uh, during the last couple of years when he was, when the dementia got really bad. But dad was... Um, Dad's policy would only only provided benefits for seven years. Now we didn't need them for that long, so okay. But, but you could easily need them for that long, yeah, or or yep. longer. You know, yeah. I mean, mom started really, uh, uh, you know, mom started really having problems. Oh, probably like eight years before she passed. Anyways, you know, yeah. Eight, maybe even nine years. So, it, you know, if we could have gotten that kind of policy for mom, we would have, and it would have been a big savings. But yeah, it's it's not yeah. it's not easy. So anyway, <clears throat> sorry, this is I don't want to spend too much time talking about the, my family, but it's it's a great uh, use of federal dollars, I think, so that more people can have, uh, you know, their their in in their safety uh, net. Yeah, they can have a safety net for their declining years for them or their parents. And yeah, that's that's a really important thing. And I, I'm really happy they're doing that. Um, but also, the there was a talk of a particular focus on trying to address um, uh, racial injustice in this country that there's, you know, the, the, the people who, whose homes are uh, most likely to have problems with lead pipes or have, you know, dilapidated housing that needs to be uh, upgraded or fixed and don't have good access to the internet. All of, all of these, uh, or, you know, and don't have, you know, convenient public transport uh, tend to be marginalized communities, often, you know, uh, uh, people of color uh, as I, think a simple term for it. So that's that's a really good thing. And I'm I'm glad that in talking about spending on infrastructure, the Biden administration is focusing on uh people who not justice. Well people yes, exactly on the on the justice part of it. Because not only do people in marginalized communities need the help more than say somebody, you know, living in a nice suburban home in Andover, Massachusetts would, but also um and this is this is this is a thing that I think a lot of people sort of miss in these discussions. Uh, that's also where it will have the most bang for the buck, because 
when you have uh, you know when you have a society and some people are at a much lower sort of uh, level of wealth or level of uh, resources, and you uh, are and the society invests in uh, bringing their sort of, you know, their infrastructure, their standard of living up to snuff with everybody else, there's a huge boost to the overall economy. And for an example of this in, you know, in, you know, recent living memory, you can look at Germany post-unification once the Berlin Wall came down, once the the Iron Curtain uh, fell. Uh, Because Eastern Germany, uh, having been controlled by the Soviet bloc, uh, was you know, lagging well behind, right. It was impoverished. Yeah. It was lagging well behind the standard of living uh, for, you know, infrastructure and all kinds of other things uh, of West Germany. So the West German economy uh, was productive and wealthy and poured a lot of time and and labor and energy and resources into uh, uh, bringing Eastern Germany up to standard. And that is a big part of what produced the tr- powerful economic growth in Germany, uh, you know, over the past 30 years. So uh, doing something similar here in the U.S., uh, I think is a good idea. So so what do you think about that? Well, I like to focus on fixing mud pipes and uh, broadband and fixing the power grid. I'm, I guess, I guess true to my, true to my stripes, I'm much more focused on the, um, the less human side of things, even though these all about humanity, by the way, I don't know if you saw this last night. Um, it would have been, um, Wednesday night, actually when this plays, when we air, uh, the last evening of March. um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, Sir David Attenborough, is it Attenborough? Attenborough, yeah. Um, yeah, beautiful job on extinction and what and what we're doing to the economy of of life on Earth. It was quite something. If you get a chance to watch it, I'm sure if you have, um, is it Passport that people have PBS? It yeah, was on PBS. It was Wednesday on PBS. Night, the first airing of yeah. All and right, with, I will um, look for that. Thank you. Yeah, I, I didn't extinction. know about it. extinction. Yeah, I. Yeah, I almost sent out an email and I thought, oh, Edgy title. <laughs> nobody, yeah, nobody, well, um, and actually, um, uh, Elizabeth, is it Colbert? Col- Colbert? Colbert, yes. Who did the, the, yeah, who the, did the, the sixth, sixth extinction book? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. She just came out with a new one that's all about climate change and, you know, how, how humans are that we don't solve things. It's very interesting. I was going to try and get it at the library at some point. So, so yeah, a lot of a lot of good stuff coming on on that. But when you when you start to see um, things like that on on the public station, and then you think about what we're investing in, and there is kind of a there's a funny mismatch, you know, that we're there that we're building out all this development and growth, and you know, it's one of the big problems is our population. You know, humans really are sort of um, doing in the planet a little bit. So, yeah. you know, so when I say, well, I like to see this invest in the water pipes and broadband and, um, you know, the power grid, I, you know, it's, it's a funny thing. We're going to go to electric cars and Northampton just um, passed a, a, I think it's a zoning change where they're going to allow two family houses in a lot of lots where there was only room for one family hmm. before one, one house. You mean like and, a duplex kind uh, of thing? 
Yeah, just to just to have cheaper housing for people, so you can put in an in-law apartment, and the yeah. zoning is much less. But they added a section on the climate where they say you can't heat with fossil fuels, so you can't that that addition you can't use. Uh, natural gas or oil or anything like that has to be electric or I forget what they said. There's like four solar or there's like four things you can use. And it really prohibits the, um, you know, the, the use of fossil fuels, which I understand. But the problem is with electric is that all that means is that somebody's burning fossil fuels somewhere else and it's losing, you're losing energy by transporting it through the grid. So it's, it's sort of like saying you can't have a coal plant in your house, but the coal plant's going to run 200 miles away, and then it's going to make electricity and all the way along the grid line till it gets to your house. You're going to actually waste the energy of transporting it. It's just it's a funny you know I'm such a no I head. it makes sense it's it, it's the concern yeah. of are you actually solving the problem or are you just moving it to where we can't see it where you can't see it and yeah. you, and it's less efficient because to have a small propane stove, you know, with heat in your house is probably one of the more efficient uses of that. Yeah. Really. Well, you know, it's all the heat stays in where, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a funny thing. And I think the same is true with electric cars. I mean, the grid really can't sustain all these electric cars. You know, me, I'm in favor of hydrogen cars. So I'm, I'm waiting for the Toyotas to come, out of California because they have Mirai, I think it's a Mirai. They have a, a hydrogen car that you can buy today, but you have to live in California because there's no um, fuel accessibility for it. But it doesn't create carbon; it creates water, H2O. It, it's carbon neutral, and you know, it's just we do these things, and sometimes I think we we do it in the best of intentions, and in fact, we're making it worse. You know, the damage to to, to the climate with some of these things, you know, we're going to build out the roads and I, I get it. You know, it's better if everybody gets on a train than driving their own car, but it, it still doesn't solve the climate problem. So anyway, just a sad thought for a long week. <laughs> well, I, it, it, it depends on what else uh, happens. Uh, certainly, yes. the, you know, the city of Northampton can't fix the climate problem or the fossil fuel problem itself. Uh, passing a, 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 you know, changing the the local zoning so that uh, you can't use gas heat or, you know, uh, oil heat in your home or in new construction, you know, is part of uh, a, 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 is part of creating sort of the market pressures or whatever to, you uh, uh, move us away from a fossil fuel economy. And, you know, we both understand, you know, the, the basic physics of the, of the greenhouse yeah. gas problem to go, yeah, we need to do that. Um, but ultimately, uh, yeah, it's, it's not something that can be solved by the city of Northampton. It's the kind of thing that has to be tackled even beyond the state level at like the federal level. Um, so, uh, President Biden's level. Yeah. Well, certainly starting at the national level here in the United States, and President Biden's um, uh, infrastructure plan. Uh, part of the money that is about uh, fixing the uh, the water system. Also, there's there's uh, it's part of a three hundred dollar three hundred billion dollar uh, chunk to uh, uh, handle a bunch of issues, in, including our water systems, but also the electrical grid to upgrade and modernize. Yep. It. And, Hundred billion for electrical, yeah, right. for the grid. So you know, if if the grid 
you know, gets away from using fossil fuels towards, you know, renewable or at least, you know, carbon neutral uh, fuel sources, then uh, it's it's a totally different ballgame. Then uh, yes. what Northampton's doing is actually helpful. Um, but, you know, pushing the problem down the line back into the grid uh, is a useful step uh, at the local level if it's in conjunction with something at the national level. <laughs> You know, you're absolutely right there. Um, So I I kudos to the Biden administration for, you know, uh, uh, thinking about these issues. Uh, So, yeah, um, no, it's important. We're right about at the halfway point. So let's take a a quick break now and then uh, we can come back and talk about this some more. Because uh, I I feel like uh, there's there's more that you have to say about this. And I'm really curious to hear, (laughs) (laughs) you know. Anyway, we're going to play. I love to talk to you about this stuff because it's like, oh, okay, I didn't think of that. Yeah, Yeah. it's really helpful. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. No, there's there's a there's a lot of different ways to to chop this up, Um, and it's exactly the it's the it's a great mix of the kind of uh, specific and you know topical and uh, uh, news driven you know, issues that, you know, are helpful to talk about on a show like ours. But also in the end, we do try to focus on like the larger issue, you know, on the larger principles and the uh, sort of sustaining through line concerns that go beyond, uh, you know, the political uh, squabble of the moment. And it's, this is, this has all of that too. So, so let's play some PSAs, promos and station IDs. And then we'll be back with more civil politics here on Valley Free Radio in just a couple of minutes. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Table of Contents is a weekly music program that assembles an assortment of songs and sounds of many genres, and which may entail literally taking a random collection of musical sources off the shelf and giving them a turn on the table or spin in a CD or tape player. Each week presenting shows which can at times be organized orderly and at other times perhaps be not as much so, yet never dull. Tune in Friday nights, 10 p.m. till midnight on WXOJ LP, Northampton 103.3 FM. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Hey, this is Wendy, host of Valley Free Radio's subculture music program, featuring new wave, post-punk, indie, and electronic music from the 70s to today. Join me every Friday night from 8 to 10 p.m. here on WXOJ, or stream it live from your favorite listening device at valleyfreeradio.org. You have the right to know what's happening abroad and in your backyard. But above all else, you have the right to know that this right is under attack and we must work to protect it. Understand the threats. ProtectPressFreedom.org. Tune in to Evidence-Based Radio, science and skepticism from a feminist and socialist perspective. Every week, we explore the interesting and important stories in science with a focus on the positive. Friday nights from 6 to 7 on Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM, or at evidencebasedarada.com. That's 6 to 7 p.m. Fridays on Valley Free Radio. 
And we're back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. Uh, Sue Timberlake and I are talking about uh, the new proposed infrastructure spending plan uh, that's come out from the Biden administration, about $2.2 trillion over the next eight years to, uh, well, fix a lot of infrastructure issues in the United States, including uh, uh doing a, a rehabilitation or uh, and building of, of homes, especially for uh, lower income uh, Americans, uh, putting in universal broadband, uh, removing lead pipes, uh, improving the, the, the national electrical power grid, um, which, you know, I mean, Texas is a special case and we talked about that, but that's certainly part of the, uh, you know, an example of why we really need to improve our power grid significantly is what happened in Texas a couple of weeks ago with the uh, oh, yeah. terrible storm freezing everything. Well, and we've had our own, you know, here in the Northeast, we've had a couple of ice storms over the last 20 years yeah. where they've blown out transformers and things, and they had to do a lot of repair work to get stuff back online. Oh, yeah. And it took a lot longer than anybody yeah. expected. It's just because cool. it's aging. Ten, it ten years ago, there was time. That, yeah, there was that blizzard on Halloween ten years ago, which yep. incidentally was uh, uh, one of the things that really led to a chain of events that that uh, put my father in the nursing home. So, yeah, I'm very aware mm, of. Sorry. I, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, it's it's a thing, but anyway, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a real concern, and uh, you know, I I've I've heard people suggesting that we should stop stringing the power lines up on poles, but we should put them in, you know, tunnels or or conduits under the roads or whatever, which obviously is more expensive, but I guess means they won't be uh, worried about they falling get branches. Torn so. down it. Yeah. Yeah. Every time there's winds, winds. Yeah. It's it's yeah. It's it's very interesting. I don't know. I think you and I talked about the book, The Grid, which is probably ten years old at this point, but it's a really good review. Of the I, whole, you know, sort of. It rings a bell, but I don't remember what we might have said specifically. But by all means, continue. Yeah. yeah well, anyway, it's just quite a book because it sort of explains, sort of, you know, when you build things historically, when you sort of review it, even things in the technical world, mm-hmm. you, you get a sense of why there's places where it has weaknesses, and you know, people remember the blackout of New York City. Mm-hmm. I mean, all those things, the cascading effects, and everybody knows that our grid is you know, kind of fragile and not up to the, not up to the task right now. Most houses have hundred amp circuits and, you know, our lifestyles are more like 200 amp circuits when you, especially if you have a car that you're charging overnight, you know, hmm. it, it's, it, it's sort of like almost a doubling of the capacity in order to be able to do that. So, um, you know, it's just an interesting book. If you like a historical perspective on sort of, you know, the, I think it was Ohio that went down that took out New York. Was it, I forget what caused the New York blackout, but it was a failure out that way. And then the cascading effects to protect the grid, you know, where it fails a lot and the fires in California. Um, somebody explained to me that they had installed the power companies had installed these, um, sort of automatic restarters so that when it, they would have a cascading failure, they would restart and, reroute the electricity and that's actually what caused some of the forest fires that they you know that was an unanticipated consequence of it it meant down wires uh, remained live yeah yes yep or came back up again just enough to spark 
And it was a un, you know unintended consequence of a up what was considered an upgrade to save them on you know labor and going out. So it, it's a it's complicated, especially because it's so interconnected and it's so critical, as you say. You know, people depend on the power supply to run their oxygen machines and do all kinds of things. So it's, um, it's well, really I think, important. I think one of the uh, philosophical differences <clears throat> you and I have about, you know, government spending and public spending and, uh, you know, business investment and whatnot, I think stems from where we draw the line about uh, things like utility spending and whatnot. Whereas it, uh, I, I take the view that, um, uh, you know, so long as uh, uh, the utilities are providing, uh, you know, benefit to the public, we shouldn't really worry too much about their uh, profitability. And, uh, you know, just have to, we have to accept that uh, sometimes providing uh, uh, for all citizens is going to cost a lot more than just providing for most citizens. You know, whereas you can see this with yep. healthcare, education, broadband. mail delivery, broadband. Yes, exactly. All yep. of these things. And flight routes, flight, you know, they, yep. they go to the, the cities that provide the most margin and they don't want to serve the cities that are, don't right. use them enough. Yeah. And, and using that to distribute when you really use the market to distribute something, you yep. know, you don't get the outcome that both of us would desire. Right, and I, I, I think it's, I, I think it's in part a matter of uh, me drawing the line, saying, draw the, drawing the line, saying like, well, yes, that costs more, but it's worth it, and you know, uh, it, it, that's, that's just something we should be spending uh, taxpayer money on, and it will have benefits that go beyond stuff that can be measured in terms of business profitability and jobs, you know, quality of life stuff that's harder to measure, like, hey, I'm living longer and healthier because the air is cleaner or whatever. But see, it, I know we I'd approach in it, public health, it, so, you know, it's not like we yeah. completely disagree, but yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, and so my, my model would have it that instead of just telling the government to do it for everybody, I'd say to the broadband companies, you can't have a license here unless you do the whole town. You can't just you can't just wire Boston. You also have to wire, I don't know, Cummington. Right. In other words, you can't cream skim, skim the cream and make and make you know make it intrinsic to the contracting. Right. Instead okay. of saying that government the 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 company gets to take the Bostons and the big cities to put yeah. in broadband because that's really profitable and the government gets stuck with the rest. And right. in healthcare, the same thing happens. The insurance companies take all the people that are working and healthy, and the government gets stuck with all the people that are sick and right. hard to insure. Right. And right. so, i i don't I don't want to switch shift the whole pie to the government. I want to actually make the the private sector do their job, kind of. So and it's, it's a it's a funny thing because more of an Obamacare partnership. Approach. Yeah. Um, Obamacare doesn't, doesn't do it because they didn't, they basically told the insurance companies, they give them a premium for the people that were hard to insure. I would have put them in the same pool and said that they could only have a margin of, you know, whatever the going rate is. It, it, it's, I, I, I make the, um, externalities internal 
Yeah. It's, I'm a really mean well, that was, contractor. That was the that was the approach of the Obama yeah, of the Affordable Care Act. It may not have done that as well as it yeah. could have. But I mean, for example, there was yeah. a cap on, you know, you have to spend at least 85% of people's premiums on actually yep. healthcare and whatnot, yep. which led to some rebates, which I thought was and like, you, wow. And, <laughs> you know yeah, this you know coming that, for years and you're still getting caught out by it. <laughs> Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, and they, yeah, and they, they tried to fudge the numbers and then they make them recalculate and say, nope, that's, you know, you spent 60%. But you know who that came from? One of, one of our favorite fathers here, uh, Romney, that was in the uh, connector. Yeah. That was actually a feature of the connector here in Massachusetts. And it was because of, they were trying to make the insurance companies own the risk, you know, which here they are, the insurers they spend all their time trying to get out from underneath the risk. So, sure. so yeah, it's funny. You'd have the whole government do the whole thing, which I get because it, it's the way to get it done. Yeah. And I try and, um, I try and hang it around the corporation's neck. That's getting all the, the profits. Yeah. Well, I, part I, of the, I mean, I, I guess this is again, one of the ways in which you and I differ because I'd be like, let's just take the profit motive out of that because the profit motive means people are always going to be looking for ways they can sort of, you know, uh, uh, better, faster, bigger. Well, you know, can skim past, uh, uh, requirements and regulations can skip over details and, and sort of gloss over, you know, uh, helping, you know, taking care of the the tricky problem cases, which is precisely what I like that tension, a society safety net is for. Well, I mean, I, I sure. Uh, but it, it's a lot of work. It, it's a lot of work. I think it's easier if we just say, right, society is going to pay for everybody. And so we cut out yep. all this overhead and we don't worry about the profits and we just sort of try and uh, handle things. I, I mean, th- that said, obviously, you're absolutely right. We can't just be like, well, who cares? It costs what it costs. It's like, no, there comes a point where we have to say we have to, you know, control costs or whatever. But I don't know. I yeah. think. I, I think the kind of the the public single payer model is a better way to control costs for healthcare. But you know, re- regardless, you and I do agree that um, the current system of people getting healthcare through their their workplace is a terrible idea. Um, even when we have full, right, even when we have full employment, it's a terrible idea. Yeah, yeah, because people Cause it, can't move around, and right, it hurts and, business. Well, we've exactly. talked about that. We've yeah. hurt business. It hurts yeah, business. Absolutely, they. they a business of 10 people have an incredible risk if they have one sick person and you, you need the big risk pool to make it work well. And Darn well, right. And, and as someone who owns a small business, you know, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm glad that, uh, that there are ways to sort of spread the risk pool because I don't want to be like, well, we could hire, you know, person a for this job, but they've got a lot of, you know, uh, expensive medical care. So Their that's going to sick. Right, or, yep, or their, their wife, wife is sick, sick. and that's <laughs> going to increase our costs to have them as an employee. So having person B who whose spouse isn't sick is going to be a better decision for us. And yeah, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't want to even try to think about that kind of stuff. You know, I just like I, it's probably too hard for my poor brain, anyways. But it's just, uh, <laughs> I, I, I just want to take out even the possibility of having to think about that. Just say like, nope, everybody's yep. got coverage. Anyway, yeah, but sorry. big risk pool, yeah. not tied to employment. Yep, I agree with you. 
So, and you knew that anyway, because we've talked yeah. before. Do you want to talk about the taxes in this bill? Because they, they, yeah, they're reversing a lot of the, the Trump stuff. So, which actually did set the economy on fire. <laughs> what, what Trump did. Oh, well, in both ways. I guess. <laughs> I, I, well, change, you know, the change in the corporate tax rate. I mean, that really that and they moved people moved a lot of money back from overseas. And I think if I understand this and you may understand it better than I do, um, Biden is basically reversing a fair amount of that, you know, with the overseas minimum tax and changing the corporate rate. I think he's taking it back up to 28 percent. Yes, I believe. Which puts he, us yes, it is taking it so, back up to twenty eight percent. Andy, also changing the um, uh, the way corporations, the multinational corporations, can write off tax payments to other governments, so that uh, they yeah. will be able, they won't be able to, as they put it, offshore profits uh, as much as they have been. You know, yeah, basically saying, oh, but that. we made this money in Djibouti and Ireland. not <laughs> Ireland is the best, prime example. But, yeah, you know, wherever we made this money in in Switzerland or Czechoslovakia. Or, actually, that's not a country anymore, is it? But whatever. But, you know, Brazil, whatever. <laughs> we made this country some other place. And so we shouldn't pay taxes on it here in the U.S. because the money's not in the U.S. And, you know, I, I get the logic. Yeah. Um, but. But that not being competitive with other corporate tax rates around the world, that that worries me a little bit because it did, you know, um, Trump, Trump did good, have good financial advisors for trying to light a fire. I mean, that's that's basically what they did. You know, even if you burn down the house doing it, it, yes, it which I think is a pretty fair description. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did that for you because I know that's how you feel about it. Well, um, even before but, the coronavirus but, <laughs> just blew everything up. Yeah, I, I yeah. It, it it massively increased the, the federal deficit. And, you know, as yeah. someone who cares about responsible government, uh, you know, I care quite a bit about the federal deficit. Uh, and I, I wish Republicans did. Uh, yeah, we used to. <laughs> well, you will now because uh, you're not in charge Biden's anymore. Back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll jump right. But that that change, one of it is the instability and the unpredictability, which you know, as a business owner, you know that's you know, business folks worry about that. But it's it's putting us back at the top of the of the of the you know the the highest tax rate and, uh, compared and, to other countries, and yet. Uh, I think there's more, I think, what was it, like a dozen Fortune 500 companies paid zero tax in the United States uh, yep. on corporate profits in the past few years. So, yep. Yep. you know, uh, clearly, if there's a problem with corporations being taxed too much, it's not happening here. Yeah. Well, and it, boy, re revising the tax code is something we should probably do, but it's, it's it's so complicated and you know the all the congress folks get their oars in the water for their particular companies and you know it, it you can't really have it be objective and pristine just because True. of the politics of the thing and that's unfortunate cuz i mean industries get really hurt you know if you well, don't have a good lobbyist you get you get you get slammed so well, I don't, I don't think uh, the increase from twenty one percent to twenty eight percent will be that damaging in the end to most corporations because there are lots of, you know, quote unquote legitimate business deductions, you know, that are really are legitimate business deductions to like help yeah. 
reduce uh, the the corporate tax rate. And you know, absolutely, uh, economic activity. You know, private businesses doing business uh, produces wealth, and that is certainly not something anybody wants to blow up because it's it's nice to to have nice to be wealthy. It's nice to be in a wealthy society that that has all the advantages thereof. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it's also worth noting that President Biden said the uh, tax rate, uh, I think the individual tax rate, you know, won't change for anybody who's making less than $400,000 a year, which is, you know, most Americans. So that's that's fine. <laughs> well, and I, I forget what the um, they were going to they, they're going to use that uh, taxing wealthy individuals was going to fund something. And I forget, I, I must not have read it carefully enough, but it was targeted to some degree how they, what they were going to pay for with that. Cause the corporate taxes, I think they were going to pay for all the infrastructure stuff, but I think the um, wealthy individuals, you know, they've, they sort I saw some layout where they were showing, you know, this is done and that's paying for this tranche and this is done. And I forget what the wealthy individuals were going to end up basically funding, but I do worry about it. Yeah. You know, for both reasons, unpredictability and not, and trying to be competitive with people, you know, the rest of the world, because it is an international world now. We're, we're really competing with China a lot. Well, I, you know, there's, there's truth to that. Um, Actually though, can I, can I ask you, sorry, can I ask you a question? Because this is something that I was struck. So uh, 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 everybody's favorite Republican Senator, Mitch McConnell, (laughs) Um, Uh yeah, (laughs) well, he, uh, you know, he's, he's this, the, the Senate minority leader and he's announced that he will, uh, uh, fight the, uh, this, uh, proposal tooth and nail, uh, or to the last ditch or whatever it was. But anyway, he, 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 he will strenuously oppose, uh, the, this proposal from the Biden administration. And he talked about how, uh, this is just an excuse to raise taxes. And what struck me about that is, you know, like that, that doesn't like a statement like that doesn't make sense unless uh, you think that the goal of Democrats is to raise taxes. Yeah. As an end in itself, like what do we want? Well, we want to have, you know, (laughs) you know, better water supply, a better electrical grid, and we just want to have higher taxes. What if you can't get the higher, you know, the better grid and the better water supply? What if you can only get the taxes? Well, higher taxes are good. It's like, no, (laughs) higher taxes are, you know, they're, they're a means to an end. That's all. Like there's, if, if we could pay for everything without raising taxes, there's no need to raise taxes. But we have to raise taxes because we want to spend more money than we've currently got. And, you know, you guys already blew up the the deficit to, you know, like a trillion dollars a year or something crazy. So, you know, we've got to pay for all this somehow. I so, can translate. Yeah. Well, what do you think? What I mean, so why is that? Is that just marketing or is that like, you know, is that genuinely how... Uh, I think it's a, be- a belief system about you Democrats, you people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, I think it goes something like this. Uh-huh. Um, uh, government is really there to take, take money and, and make people's lives better. Right. The more money we can take accumulate 
in central government, the better lives will be. It's not that it's an end in itself, but what we're projecting on Democratic folks is that they they always want to take from the many and redistribute it so that everybody's lives are better. And, and we Republicans on the flip side, don't just like to take money, you know, take money out of government programs and hurt people. We, we think like, you know, I was talking about the tension of the free market and trying to make contracts tight and do -hmm. what they're supposed to. It's sort of, we think we're smart and effective. <laughs> you know, we're not just taking money from everybody and doing really good programs for everybody. We're saying we want to really sort of ratchet down and make the system almost have like a great suspension system, you know, have a lot of tension in it and make it a really robust animal. But it's also a fast animal. It's an animal that moves and innovates and gives people choices. And it's a, and it's a funny thing because both, both thought processes, obviously both principles, when taken to extremes, won't work very well. You know, if you take all the money from everybody and give everybody a cushy life, you know, there won't really be much innovation or sort of progress. You assuming, know, you might even one even uh, could give everybody a cushy life if you did that. You know, yeah, like attempts yeah. at communism don't exactly have a great track record. <laughs> exactly, and so that's why we raised the specter, I think, of communism yeah. and socialism, because yeah. we're we're thinking we're thinking of the government really is mostly inefficient at doing what it does. It's kind of cumbersome and people fight over where the money should go and lobby groups get their money. And, you know, the people that are producing don't, don't really, um, don't really succeed in a place where there's a great big fat government that's, you know, sitting, sitting on pools of money, trying to decide who to give it to, to stay, you know, to stay in office. I heard somebody say the other day, and Carmine, I want to credit you with this if you're listening. Um, he, he said, you know how us Republicans always say there's takers and there's makers? Yeah. You know, that's kind of the thing. And he said, and I had never heard this before, there's people who take, you know, who are on the dole, you know, whatever yep. it is in their life, they, they're, they're, they take money. That. And sometimes it's states, like you've mentioned before, the southern states, who take more money and New York pays more money kind of thing. Massachusetts so takers, does as well, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And there's makers, you know, people that create things and make things and grow businesses. And then he said, there's a thing, there's levers. And I'm like, what in the world are levers? And he said, they go to golf rare people. <laughs> no, they, um, they, 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 no matter where they are, what they're doing, they leave more benefit than when they found it. You know, it's, it's, it's the person who takes the house and makes it more efficient and more beautiful. And, you know, and then when they pass away, it's actually better than when they bought it. And I thought that's a really interesting, they're like leaving it for other people. And I thought that's a really interesting construct of the world because it's not so polarized. It actually gives sort of a third dimension. Anyway, I just—I've been meaning to mention oh, that too, and I completely—that that is forgotten. interesting. Though that is the justification yeah. uh, Mitt Romney gave for Bain Capital. Basically, it's like we come in and we take over these companies and we make them more efficient, and then we sell them off. 
Yeah. So. Well, and you know, the one argument is that they also took the pensions and used the pension insurance fund <laughs> to bail. To, so I'm, so I'm all aware. the investors <laughs> make money. Yeah. Yeah. So they did leave them better off, but not on that particular axis. Yeah. <laughs> they basically, well, it depends you know, on use the government largesse to, to, yeah. to finesse it. Who's so, better off? But it was and, all and legal. Yeah, yeah. 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 Which it was specifically who I think is always the question you want to ask. But I, I just been meaning to share that with you. So I apologize. No, that's for interesting. That long-winded explanation. Yeah. No, that's Takers, interesting. makers and leavers. Um, you know, the guy that works in his neighborhood yeah. his whole life to make it. Well, it's, better. it's the sense of uh, investment. You know, we're going to yes. uh, put work in and it will have benefits in the future. And, I think yeah. everybody understands that uh, that idea, and and that not many people do it. Well, it's it's you know it can be harder than it seems, but yeah, I, I agree. Uh, it is the idea behind things like this infrastructure proposal that the Biden administration's put forward uh, to like leave better, leave the build back better, and leave something for yeah. the next generations that's that's yeah. going to serve them in good stead. And, uh, you know, uh, ultimately, this uh, $2.2 trillion plan will be spent over eight years. And the idea is that within 15 years, uh, taxes and economic benefits will pay it all back or will have paid for it all. So how, how many years? I hadn't heard that. 15, did you say? 15, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, wow. uh, you know, obviously that's a CBO, I think, or maybe it was the president's budget office. But anyway, it's, you know, it's an estimate. It's a guess. It's a prediction. So it could be completely and they're wrong. Done. You know. They're nonpartisan. I mean, they do the best oh, yeah, they yeah, can yeah. to try. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's not about partisanship. I mean, just, you know, yeah. uh, the estimates from 2017 when uh, Mitch McConnell and company were pushing through their their tax boondoggle, uh, you know, none of those estimates factored in global pandemic tanks, global economy. <laughs> you know? so, yes. Yeah. We yeah, are. Was, uh, we're off the model. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, it, and we were at 3% or better. I mean, it, it did actually match what they were taking until the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I guess that's the worry is that you always want to have that fudge factor built in. So when things go south, people don't get hurt. Yeah. So. Oh, and speaking of fudge factor, I think we're just getting into ours because uh, the, the, I think the music's playing and it's time for us to wrap up. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Sue. <laughs> that flew. That, that yeah. flew. We'll have to we'll have to talk about this some more because this is this is interesting stuff and maybe hear what John has to say. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, that I'd love to hear what he has to say. I'm sure we will. Yeah. So, so anyway, uh, we're going to wrap up uh, tonight here on Civil Politics on Valley Free Radio. Coming up next is Subculture at eight, followed by Table of Contents at ten, and OK Asia at midnight. Uh, we should have uh, the podcast version of this uploaded to the various streaming services early on Monday morning and uh, we have a repeat broadcast monday at 4 p.m so listen to us all over again uh and our website where you can listen to all of our episodes both the on-air broadcasts and the supplementals of course is civilpoliticsradio.com so go check us out there anyway that'll do it tonight for civil politics on valley free radio thanks for listening good night civil politics is a member of the planetside podcast network to learn more go to planetsidepodcasts.com The political climate of today's world is extremely polarized, and nuanced conversations are dead. And I shouldn't have to say this, the bi-weekly chaotic good podcast, well, all of those things are still true. 
co-hosts Nicole and Janma do their very best to hold honest conversations about everything political, from art to policy, finance, and electoral strategy, with humor and humility, from a couple of opinionated leftists dead set on creating a better world and fighting misinformation wherever and from whoever it crops up from. Search for I Shouldn't Have to Say This on your favorite podcast listening app, or you can visit saythiscast.com. I Shouldn't Have to Say This is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network.